Jumbo. It's December 31st, 2010. This is 508 a show about Worcester. Today on the show, we have Nicole Apostola. Hello, Nicole. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing? You are awesome, Nicole. We also have on the show... <laughs> Uh, long time, long time panelist on this program, Kevin Kassen. Kevin, how are you doing? Good morning, doing great. Thank you. How does this January morning find you, or this December morning? I'm sorry, it's almost January. Feels good. I'm over by the pickle barrels, kind of quiet. Awesome. And maybe he's been on the show, but I don't remember. Dejong Wells, how are you doing, D? I'm doing well. Which I have, and glad to be on call. Awesome. And uh, I'm 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 Michael Benedetti, and I am recording the show this morning from East Africa. So there may be plenty of lag and uh, other problems, but through the magic of Skype, we have we have bridged hemispheres. We've bridged the northern and southern hemispheres, and I guess the eastern and western hemispheres, to bring you a show all about the city of Worcester. I have no idea what's going on in Worcester. I've been on the road traveling for the holidays. Um, Luckily, was able to travel for the holidays. wasn't held up by snow, but there is, seems like there is some stuff that's been going on. And just to keep our audience at the edge of their seats, why don't we talk about taxation? Why don't we talk about the city tax rates for a little bit? Are you guys up for that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the city, uh, the city, for the first time in a few years, um, changed the, uh, uh, made a slightly more interesting decision than normal about tax rates. Um, they normally, in the last few years, have basically had the lowest rate for uh, residential property taxes, which has meant that they have a much higher rate for uh, commercial commercial taxes. And in deciding how they were going to set the tax rates going forward, they said, we won't actually pick the rock bottom rate for residential. We'll pick a little bit of a higher rate, and therefore the commercial rate will be a little bit lower than it otherwise might have been. Um, this seems to me. I guess taxes are an important thing. You got to pay. For, you got to pay for the. You got to pay for stuff uh, if you want to keep the city as a going concern. Um, I've been surprised to see the level of rhetoric on both sides. The uh, there are strong emotional opinions about this, and uh, my opinion on this was basically that I'm not sure what is the correct way to to split this up. You know, like I haven't heard anybody really like I've heard people talk about, oh, like, you know, there's some residential people who are on fixed incomes and it's hard for them. You know, the higher you make the property taxes, the harder it is for them. And this is true. I would say other than making exceptions for people in certain situations, I don't know, like, what is the correct tax rate? I have no theory behind, like, what is the right tax rate? Do you guys have any theory as to what is the correct tax rate between commercial and residential? Well, what I found interesting about the whole debate is that we we keep uh, talking about people who are on fixed incomes and presumably people who are retired, but there are ways for those people to get a, a certain amount of um, uh, uh, lightening of the load um, if they if they just you know contact the city clerk's office, they can fill something out, I guess, and their tax rate becomes slightly lower. Oh really? So yeah, so we keep talking about this, but I think there actually is a way. For those people um, to to get some sort of you know relief, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm not sure why. Well, I'm sure I know why people aren't talking about that, but um, but it seems like to me is a, a false argument. 
that's my take on it. I think I think the other thing for me is the other other conversations that are still happening that in some ways make that that where this line falls moot a little bit. So one of the things out there, Mike, is a proposal from the mayor's task force to uh, to tax properties of four more apartments yeah. as businesses. Right. And so that 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 in a lot of ways just you know it it keeps the where the tax money is coming from in, in the same place regardless of what we do with the tax rate. Um, I know from from our community work in the Piedmont neighborhood, there was a proposal where the owner didn't live on the property and to tax those properties more than where the, the homeowner actually lived on the property. And we had been strongly supportive of that. The, the move towards shifting at least uh, multi-unit apartment buildings to business uh, feels like it helps to alleviate some of that and, and recognize the, the residential business differences between home ownership. Do you, Kevin, do you, do you have a reason why homeowners should be taxed less than commercial or vice versa? I think homeowners don't have a, a, a revenue stream from their from a business in some ways. I I, I feel it, some it, it does do. make sense to have businesses tax a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And, those, and those are the ones I would like to shift towards the business taxation. Hmm. I'm not convinced. Kevin, can I ask a question? Because wouldn't, wouldn't people uh-huh. who, say, own these multi-units just transfer the cost of that that increased tax burden to the people who are renting? Yeah, and that's that's the... the knee-jerk or, or, or common response. I think, I think rents are, are what we call, in economics, we would call sticky. Yes. And so that they are, they're not going to move easily. They're not, it's not like gas prices. When the Gulf changes their gas prices and the Citgo down the street is really obligated to immediately. So uh, I, don't think, I don't think it trickles down and, and flips in the same way. And okay. I think we have, we have a, lot, a vacant, high vacancy rate in the city right now. And I think it's very feasible. Hmm. We're, we're basically penalizing businesses, and we're basically giving them the Walter Payton stiff arm and saying, we don't want you to set up shop in Worcester. We don't want you to create jobs as well as contribute to the community by hiring you know, high school students, hiring just local people to work and to really hmm. make the city attractive. I mean, right now we have all these vacant buildings that were one-time manufacturing um, buildings, that could be retrofitted and converted into good office space or even mixed-use property, where you could have commercial on on the lower levels and say residential on top. Right now, we're actually you know doing more damage to ourselves, the city of Worcester is, by offering a dual tax rate. So, for the first time in in certainly my 10 years living in Worcester, people are finally realizing that with the state of the economy continuing to not you know, rebound as quickly as possible, the city has to be more proactive. And I think this is one of those things that Michael Bryan, city council, and everyone is doing. But there still needs to be more. And we're, we're almost afraid to do that more because, of course, the election's coming up and people worrying about who's going to get back into their seat, blah, blah, blah. But push that out the side. Let's do something and really make Worcester a better city. And that's one of the biggest things I always talk about. Is like we're afraid to, we're, we're peeking around the corner, and we're afraid to be great. And it's really frustrating. You know, we always live in the shadow of Boston, in the shadow of, of, of New York City or Chicago or L.A. Like, I would say, forget them. Let them be them. Let Worcester be Worcester. Let's, let's capture what our essence is. And you know what? Technology, medical care, 
I want to say that I'm very impressed that each of you was able to make a clear and strong statement of your opinion. This is like an actual show today. This is like an actual <laughs> professional <laughs> professional public affairs program. I want to okay, expand yeah. on something that Dee said, yeah. because um, I, I know that um, my district counselor, Bill Eddy, uh, voted in favor of upping the rate slightly for uh, the residential side, and that someone had accused him of um, you know, selling out his district or not representing his district. What I found interesting about that was, of course, that there are businesses in his district. And so a lot of this stuff kind of gets cast as if you're not, uh, if you're a district counselor and you are not supporting the lowest residential tax rate, then you're somehow not supporting your district, which I find interesting because basically the assumption is that the only people you're supporting in the district are the residents and not the businesses. And I just thought that that was kind of an mm-hmm. interesting way to look at it. Um, I well, think wrong, but... I want to interrupt and, and say, as in a professional show would say, let's leave it there and let's move on <laughs> to the next. Let's move on to the next thing. So Sean Sutner had this article about blogs that came out right as we were posting our Christmas episode of this program. So I don't think we talked about this article about blogs. I don't know that there's a lot to say about this article about blogs. Um, well, obviously, you and I were interviewed for that article. Um, I actually, uh, I would have liked to see um, a little bit more about other types blogs um and and one of the um one of the things kind of missing that article was that of course Worcester magazine has a blog i think a lot of people rely on for uh, a certain amount of political and and that wasn't mentioned in the article sure um well and then and then the other probably the most interesting thing i don't know that there's a lot of interesting stuff to write about like blogs as a, you know, as opposed to the actual things in a blog. I would think the most interesting thing you could write about blogs, especially if you're writing for the Telegram and Gazette, would be to talk to Kate Toomey and Tracy Novick and talk to them about being public officials who are using Facebook, Twitter, and blogs and how that's going. And Kate, you know, has been bitten by this. You could also talk to, for example, Nicole Apostola about being on the Cemetery Commission and blogging about that. That To me, that's probably like, that's probably like the angle I don't know. To me, that's like more of the cutting edge angle. It's sort of like whenever blogs are rubbing up against real life and there's actual, you yeah. know, like in the case of these elected officials, there's like potentially, you know, people are going to vote or not vote for them based on this stuff. This is there's some real skin in the game here. Anyway, I just thought it was an odd article just because it like the beginning part focused on Jeff's, Jeff, the, uh, the future of Jeff's blog list, which, you know, is certainly a, right. an important thing, but not necessarily something I expect to read about in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, anyway, so there you go. That was a, the article. Um, the Crompton Park skating rink is up. Nicole, one, did you want to mention, say something about this Crompton Park skating rink? I just wanted to say it's up, and, and uh, I think it's a good example of how a community can kind of come together, put something up. Um, it's, it's a running joke in the city about when we'll actually get an ice skating rink in back of City Hall. But um, it seems like, um, you know, the local carpenters union in Pernay could probably do it for the city if, um, if they still can't do it by next year. Yeah, because all, all this, this Crompton Park thing is a fairly, I have, I actually, have I seen the Crompton Park skating rink? It's pretty informal, right? I mean, it's just like a small yeah. thing of water held in by wood, and through the magic of winter, it freezes. And there you go. Now, you, then you can skate. Why is it that? Crompton Park uh, skating rink was able to, to, to come to fruition which seemed like because again the community was really behind it versus City Hall skating rink City Hall skating rink where there's been I don't know the, the dollar figure but I could, I could only imagine what that number is 
we still don't have it, and here it is, 2010 going into 2011. I mean, that's the kind of thing where the community should be like, I'm sorry, WTF, what's going on? Yeah. Give us some information. There's no transparency. There's no communication. I mean, that's really the thing. Again, that's one of the biggest issues we have with our, our elected officials as well as our city managers sometimes. Like, just getting a straight answer. Don't, don't BS me, please. Tell me. Just tell me. Give me a timeline. It's not going to happen this winter, okay? Winter of 2011, maybe. You know, now that they're actually tearing down the mall and eventually putting in City Square, I have to wonder how much of people's free-floating anxiety about the city is going to descend upon that skating rink because it is such an obvious yeah. sign of those parts of local government that don't work. Well, let's. I, I want to give some shout-outs to the folks that made that happen starting two years ago. I think I think I was actually on the show you had Chacha on speaking about trying to get that ice skating rink going. Yeah. So let's... This was as grassroots of an effort as possible with, with folks like Chacha, Tien, Deanne at with, um, East Coast Auto, Pernay, you know, Paulette. Uh, Stephanie was around working on that. Yeah. Certainly Manny and everybody over at the, the Carpenters. And they had to fight to get the permission to do that. The first thing was getting permission for, to be allowed to do that. They got a whole list of reasons why you that, can't do that, can't do that. Um, and they just, they just did it on we're going to do this energy, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it, 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 it sucks that, that that kind of energy was at, at first looked down on rather than applauded. Uh, and they, they had to work for it. And, 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 and of course, they did, it was done within the context of the, the pools debate, you know? And I, the, the skating rink, in a lot of ways, is, 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 a, is a result of the energy people built up around pools of, like, we want to get some things done in this city. We want to get some stuff going. Yeah, it's really a, it's really an amazing example of uh, of you know di the DIY ethic and just dealing doing it your own self in your own neighborhood, you know above uh, you know I don't know trusting local government to take care of it. But there's and you know like obviously like maybe building a skating rink is maybe a little bit different than running a police department. Uh, there's some things that maybe local government's better suited for. But yeah, stuff like that like it's great to see people just make it happen. It's great to see people just make the good things happen for themselves. You know, I love that. Two side notes, Mike. Yes. You'll, you'll be glad to know the city The city did put up the glass boards along the uh, ice skating rink oh, behind City Hall. So I the don't boards are up. I don't understand why that is because it used to be, I mean, during the summer, it's like a place where people can sit. There's little tables and things. I guess maybe they assume people don't want to sit when it's cold, but I don't know why they put those things up because it's just like, it just, it just yeah, it just makes it look dumber. It just makes it look more like more of a, a shame. It looks like an ice skating rink. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's um, like people could say, oh, there should be an ice skating rink here, but there's not. And people would say, oh, I never would have known. And now it's like obviously a broken ice skating rink or an incomplete ice skating rink. I don't know. Well, there we have so, our transparency. And so, thank you, Mike. You know, hey, yeah, exactly. Like, I just, I love that, you know. Like, yeah, I have no... I have no problem with the city, with with city government making itself, you know, look bad on the things that it should look bad about. Like, hey, like the other ice skating rink over in Worcester is at Overdown Park, and I was over there yesterday, and it's still mostly snow colored, so snow covered. So, ah. um, you know, it's it's a shame we couldn't have really built on that, and we we built the um, the little ice house over there with the fireplace a few years ago, and it just sits there and. I really wish we were just able to support ice skating over in my neighborhood. You know, the first January, I was in Worcester. Scott Schaefer, Duffy, and I were driving by Elm Park, and a woman had fallen through the ice. 
and like everybody just kind of stood around and tried to figure a way to rescue her from the ice and then some passing jogger just like just who was I guess his legs were really warmed up just sort of ran out there picked her up ran her back you know it was like a pretty straightforward <laughs> rescue so just just two notes there one is don't play on the ice if the ice might not be safe and the second one is the Elm Park ponds at least one of them is not that deep if somebody falls through the ice just get your get your you know get your metabolism going and and you could just rescue them that way it's it's certainly not the textbook way to rescue somebody who's fallen through the ice but I saw it work hey you know, let's save some lives, Worcester. Good job. Good job, whoever that jogger was. Uh, the courthouse. The courthouse, the old courthouse, um, is, has, there's, there was a bid put out, I guess, for people to buy this thing, Nicole, and you said yeah. only one person put in a, uh, 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 an offer in time? Yeah, it was um, Acorn Management, and I think that they also have, um, they're redeveloping some other things in, in the North Main area. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the way it worked was um, the state, owns it, and um, DCAM, which is the state's uh, capital asset management firm, uh, they needed three bids in order to go forward, um, and so I think oh. that on January 7th, they'll be deciding whether to go with the one bid. Oh. They were they were working for three, and they got one. Yeah, that's kind and of a drag. I'm sorry to hear that it's a, a state thing, too, because I feel like if it was the city... Correct. This, you know, the, the city would have a lot of incentive to just like not have another gigantic empty marble building in Lincoln Square because yeah. we already have the odd, which does a great job of, of filling that niche. I can imagine the state wanting to hold out a little bit more than the city who might more, have more of the attitude of let's just get somebody in there and get something going with that spot. Yeah, and, and unfortunately it's kind of out of the city's hands. Yeah, that's uh -huh. too bad. That's too bad. Oh, hey, and that reminds me on a related note that apparently is this Pharmasphere's state tax credits have expired yeah so the state yeah. expired so, something on farm or on pharmasphere this is this is pharmasphere is the company that was going to grow uh periwinkles indoors for medical purposes pharmaceutical purposes and uh they have held up they've held up this big chunk of the south worcester industrial park this sort of reclaimed brownsfields thing that we've talked about a million hours on this show and uh yeah, the city of Worcester, I guess, hasn't expired its its faith in this eventually happening, even though it's been, uh, you know, too long now. Uh, but the state apparently has is, is expiring parts of parts of the incentives for this thing to go forwards, meaning it's probably even less likely it's going to happen. I mean, it's already not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean, so. it, it, and the tough thing is now we're at a point in the economy where, you know, that's going to be a, a wasteland for a long time. It, yeah. it would be tough enough to find uh, anyone to go into that spot. And, you know, now we've spent two or three years on Pharmasphere, and now, uh, you know, I don't think anyone else will take it for a long time. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I, I think of that Pharmasphere thing is actually what makes me kind of feel like uh, with the courthouse, like, just take anybody who gives you any kind of reasonable amount of money, just go for it. Like, if anybody promises you the moon, ignore those people. Even if somebody bids underbids you a little bit, like, get it get it bought by somebody who has a financial interest to, do, to put something in there because man these are like pie in the sky we're going to give you all the tax breaks you want and you know uh kind of a thing man like it didn't work out with pharmasphere and they sold when they sell the southwestern industrial park they were going to sell that thing to them for like a token like a dollar or something right it was it was a dollar and it wasn't the whole park it was just it, they were going fine. to be the cornerstone but yeah. it was a, a significant part of it and yeah. and yeah Man, why is it that we're ringing out the year with such a down a down attitude about the city of Worcester? Nobody. Has, <laughs> How is that different than any other year? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're we're going to see something really happy at the end of the show. But go ahead. 
It's always tough, though, because you, you, you're looking for, you know, I think we're always trying to remain optimistic and look for, for some good stuff to happen, some good movement. And with the, you know, with the, the construction taking place, the you know, demolition of, you know, Worcester Common Outlets, and we're starting to see some little signs, but I guess we're, we're waiting for the wow. We're waiting for the, oh, finally, some movement, some good stuff. Um, but more importantly, there's all that other stuff coming, you know, underground bubbling stuff happening in the community where people are taking, like, you know, Crompton Park, taking ownership and taking, you know, that step forward. No matter what people say, no matter what people are, you know, because there's always going to be naysayers. We know that, certainly. Thanks for trying to bring up our spirits a little bit there. Uh, topic <laughs> topic five on today's show is going to be another, another Pollyanna topic, police travel expenses. What is this? I see, I see these articles in the paper that there's some sort of scandal about the school committee and the city council being mad at what city people are spending on travel expenses? Well, recently the, the city manager had um, Clark Rushford put what's called the city checkbook online. Mm-hmm. And so it's now possible to, uh, to get online and actually track down um, where money's being spent. Who the, who the vendors are, you know, and you can you can tally up those those dollars going to specific um, vendors, and so the TNG reported on uh, a series of of trips made by uh, officials within the police department and and school school department folks, and it was just really laid out in in this economy uh, sh- should police officials be staying at the Ritz Carlton um, and laying out that kind of money. Yeah. And of course, in Worcester, that just blew up. Let me let me ask you guys a question, which maybe you can't answer, but and maybe there's I have not read every article on the Telegram or Gazette for the last two weeks, so maybe they've answered this and I just missed it. Is this information that the city council and the school committee didn't have access to before? I just think it wasn't as transparent. I think now you could actually go and and type in somebody's name who's an employee of the city, and see how many travel reimbursements they got. Gary Jem. That's what they were typing in. Gary Jem. Exactly. And all you need is somebody who is disgruntled to look somebody up and then call their city councilor and say, what is this with Gary Jem? Oh, that's true. I see on October 14th he got reimbursed for $1,500 for travel. What is this? If this is actually what's going on, then this is like a real victory for transparency in government or something. I mean, maybe this is a stu- Maybe people think this is a stupid issue and that this is actually like a sign of why transparency in government's bad. But assuming that this is these are actual legitimate concerns with people's travel expenses, like it's it's kind of amazing to see something where it's like, oh, we're going to put this online, and all the naysayers say, oh, citizen transparency tools, blah blah blah, and then suddenly you see something come out of it. I think the challenge with this is, in, in the same way, uh, in the same way the ones for city councilors is. You need to know what questions you're supposed to ask, and yeah. that's, you know, if, if you don't know the question, then are you going to get the nugget? You know, and it was only because someone thought of thought of asking the specific question mm-hmm. um, that they were able to kind of pull that out of the database. Yeah, well, you know, I I, I think one problem with citizen one one issue with uh, you know sort of citizen transparency tools is that or government open government stuff is that you're just sort of dumping a bunch of data out there and like who has the incentive to work with it you know like like you know Kevin and I for a year put city council meeting videos online like the question is who's actually going to go through that and like do the work to make that meaningful or do the work to pull to pull whatever gold you can pull out of that resource in this case the answer seems to be like you know people like 
are mad at certain individual employees of the city. And so like maybe there's that I mean maybe this is maybe this is completely like people are just concerned about spending and they're just poking around and seeing what's going on. But I would also think that there's that there's that incentive of like I want to I want to I want to get my supervisor. So whenever I get home I'm going to like look at my supervisor online and try to find something about them. I don't know about their expenses. I don't know. I, well, I think the other yeah. question is, yeah. it, it, does this kind of thing just make it um, make people then uh, more likely to hide things? Like, for instance, let's say they they decided to charge it to you know something else. Like, yeah, sometimes transparency just makes people be sneakier. I, I I mean, I guess my answer to that is at least there's there's some way that you could sometimes figure out what's going on with a system like this. Whereas if people don't have access to the records. People don't have to hide it, but that means, yeah. I mean, it's maybe it's true though that going forward, you have to be, you might have to be a little bit more careful looking for other kinds of uh, misdeeds, just because people have a little, maybe a little more incentive now to hide, to hide their expenses. Um, one question: I wish we had Brendan on the show today, because Brendan always has a good, what's the game behind the game analysis of anything. Is the reason that this stuff is coming out now that somebody is like mad at the chief? Or, or, you know, people in city government are upset about this or that, and they see this as, like, a means to an end, um, you know, pulling out a scandal like this now. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this is just I'm, a conspiracy I'm, I want to throw out there. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think there's political motivation in that way. Um, but I was amazed to go through the, the, the comments on the Worcester Magazine article a couple of weeks ago and just to see the, the anti-chief sentiment Posted by folks implying, proclaiming that they were within the police department. Hmm. Uh, there was just post after post, still still bringing up Chief Jim's brother and and what happened with that whole stuff going down. Um, certainly the Rojas stuff. Like there there was certainly a whole litany of you know we're tired of this chief. There's there's dissension within the police department. So regarding the, the travel expenses, uh, one of the interesting things about the Sutner article was that Kate Toomey's Twitter was quoted. Oh, really? So that could have, yeah. Oh, yeah, so I actually, saw that. Yeah, so basically she said something like, you know, Ritz-Carlton, can't believe it, et cetera. And she didn't make any reference to what it was about. So someone just reading her Twitter might be like, what is this about? Yeah. But um, Sutner was able to put that in the context of the larger issue. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. So this has been kicking, out, kicking around for a while. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. One last thing, Mike. So I, I, I do agree with you that there's been movement on transparency in, in different ways in the city, and uh, I think that's a good thing, and I think some of the stuff all of us have done for the past few years have, have helped that. I wanted to, um, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm, I want to challenge us to kind of get back on that a little bit, and I just wanted to propose that when you get back, that a few of us get together, and Sunshine Week is coming up again in the spring, Sure. and it might be a good chance for us to relook at uh, proposals we can put out there of how we can increase transparency uh, within City Hall and what have you. It's a good thing to be thinking about. It's a good thing to be thinking about. Um, yeah, I'll be back. I'm actually, uh, I, I should mention, I'm in uh, Nairobi, Kenya today, and it is a complete miracle of technology that we're able to do this show. This show is actually going smoother than whenever we used to do the audio version of 508 back in Worcester. I don't know if it's because Nairobi has better internet access than Worcester, or if uh, the tech, everything, or if Skype has gotten some bugs worked out in the last few years since we used to do these audio shows. But like uh, Kevin can tell you, like the idea of doing a show with four people on it and not having someone kick be kicked off in the middle of the show, it didn't happen a lot. So like. 
Thank you, Internet. Thank you, computer technology, for being so amazing. Um, so I am, I am here having a lovely time in the tropics, and the weather is really nice, um, and the people have been very friendly. Um, what is going on in Worcester where the weather is not so nice today? What's going on? Like, wh what are we going to see like early 2011? Because this is the last day of 2010. What are we going to see that's going to be that's awesome? What are you guys enthusiastic about this week? You know, tell me something so that I don't just stay here. <laughs> no, the only thing I can think of is maybe, you know, there might be a little bit more movement on the mall. That's about it. Really? Is it visible? Am I going to, am I going to be able to go and see like torn down sections yet? Um, maybe they'll do that in honor of your coming back. They're not going to do anything in honor of my coming back, believe me. All right. <laughs> um, I, I'm just, just glad to be here still. Like, I, every day is, is, is fun in the neighborhood. Piedmont. There's no Piedmont here. Let me tell you that. One, one thing, Mike, I want to mention is yeah. I think I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to the consortium of schools and particularly um, the students that, that descend on Worcester every fall and uh -huh. certainly those that certainly leave every spring. Getting them more involved where uh, there seems to be a, a couple conversations taking place with the, you know, the consortium and all the different uh, presidents and vice presidents for student affairs and things about getting students really connected to the city and mm -hmm. not just seeing it as a place that they're in you know, visiting. They're not visitors. Like, they, this truly is a city that they are part of, and they, they help make better by their experiences, not just come and sit, you know, at Clark on Main South or WPI or up on Mount St. James at Holy Cross. Like, getting involved in all the good stuff they do and really learning and, and making a, a, a contribution to the city. And, and saying, if they see things, let it be known too to the city councilors and to their respective, um, you know, their respective dean of students and vice presidents of student affairs and, and whatnot, because they they do contribute to the fabric of Worcester. Do you, do do any of you guys have a suggestion? If there's a college student listening to this show, for some bizarre reason, like what is what should they do? Like, what's one idea of how you can get involved in the city of Worcester? I would I would say uh, I think geez, I mean volunteering at, at Fernley House, um, literally getting off of their campus and walking, say getting and walking from say City Hall down Main Street to take it all in and learn from it and not I'm not saying to go do it at nine o'clock at night on a Friday no, you know, mm -hmm. I'm certainly saying uh, walk down you know walk from City Hall down Main you know Main Street one o'clock in the afternoon. And just take mental notes, mental pictures of what you see, what you hear. I mean, because there there is a lot going on. But get involved through one of the you know the, the nonprofits or organizations. I mean, the Boys and Girls Club. I mean, there's so many different ways. And that's one of the things that that I guess the city doesn't do a good job of reaching out and pulling them in more. You know, they're always so students who are looking at Worcester are always so on the fear factor. I call it. That's actually what I would tell people is go out and volunteer. Do Nicole and Kevin, do you guys have any additional ideas? Well, I was going to start with like, checking with Stone Soup or the Pleasant Chihuahua Network Center. So yeah. both of those are strong mm. neighborhood-based communities, uh, and there's just always something happening. It, it's, it's hard to put a finger on it in specific because it, it changes from month to month. Mm -hmm. um, I know uh, Worcester Roots has the uh, 
the building power community organizing training workshop coming up for the winter. That's right. And that's just going to be an amazing assemblage. So, and so the network center is at the corner of Pleasant and Piedmont, and people can get in touch with Worcester Roots at worcesterroots.org. Both good people to connect with. Nicole Apostola, you have any thoughts? I would say take advantage of the natural beauty in Worcester because one of the things that we have that I think is a blessing is a lot of places where you can hike. We have a lot of parks. Take advantage of it. Make yourself be out there and seen and, and um, you know, enjoy. I think it's one of the parks we have and the amount of parks. Take advantage of it. I think people want to be Googling Broad Meadow Brook, maybe Googling Cascading Waters, and uh, these are these will sort of get you started out and doing some hiking and some uh, backwoods exploring in the city limits, seeing seeing some of the nature underneath the concrete. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Hey. Thank you, Mike. It's thanks. Been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And I am Michael Benedetti saying Happy New Year. Thank you.